0: Number 886. The next song will be number 886. I want to welcome everyone to the service this morning. If you're here visiting with us, we're especially glad that you're here. We hope that you know that you're our honored guest, and we'd encourage you to come and be back with us at any time that you're able to come and worship with us. I hope this morning that as Dusty was reading, uh, that you were following along in Galatians chapter 5. Uh, those words that Paul wrote to the church at Galatia, uh, are often words that kind of catch our attention uh, because they show uh, two different sides of the world, if you will. Two different sides of life, if you will. And they show a conflict uh, that we all at one time or another have faced. But I also had that reading in Galatians, the fifth chapter, because I want to encourage you with Galatians, the fifth chapter, this week. There are six chapters there. There will be six more days before you uh, are back here on a Sunday morning. I'd encourage you uh, to study Galatians, the fifth chapter. Uh, There's something really wonderful about Galatians, the book of Galatians that Paul writes. And Paul, in writing to the church at Galatia, uh, gives us uh, an understanding about our lives in Christ. He gives us an understanding uh, about what happens uh, to you and I when we recognize our need for the Savior. When we recognize our need for a Father in Heaven. When we recognize our need for hope. You know, a few weeks ago, uh, Ian, if you were Uh, Blessed to be here with us. Ian spoke to us about God teaching us to number our days. And certainly in times like this, we all need to learn to number our days. Last week, Brother John taught us about the views of the perspectives of the cross. And he talked there about the sinners there on the cross. And a recognition of of the one who hung there uh, for you and I. You know, if you look at Galatians, the fifth chapter, it says there, the works of the flesh. And there's a number of things that are named there, adultery, fornications, murderers, those type of things that really bring about strong emotion. Uh, There's some other things like jealousies like hatred, like pride. But you know, if you look at that entire list there, there's something that you'll realize in studying those works of the flesh. Those works of the flesh are centered on me, my desires, my wants. But then it talks about the fruits of the spirit love joy peace long suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance when you look at those fruits of the spirit what do you recognize that they only matter when shared They only matter when shared. That's why it's fruit of the Spirit. I want you to look at Matthew the 13th chapter. Uh, Matthew the 13th chapter, there's a number of parables that Christ gives His disciples here, and there's something that we learn about agriculture. And that is, evidently, everyone in those days understood... Certain things about agriculture. In fact, it's earlier in this chapter, Matthew chapter 13, that we learn about the parable of the sower. The sower who goes about spreading seed. And as he spreads, that seed falls on certain ground. And Jesus is using that parable to teach. So I want to look at Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 13. Verse 13 says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. This word tares here is is a word that we use as weeds. His enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? I want to tell you, Jesus was using this parable for a very specific reason. And in fact, He goes on to tell His disciples the purpose of it. But I need you to be a little more basic this morning. this teach us about seed what does it teach us about the seed that goes into the ground Jesus is teaching here and he says a man took good seed and it was planted But then it says that while they were sleeping, somebody came and sowed weeds. You know what that tells us? That tells us there's a different seed. In fact, it tells us that there's some good seed and there's not so good seed. It tells us that what we plant whether it's good seed or bad seed, will bring something forth. It tells us that when we put that seed in the ground, whether we want it to or not, something's coming out of that ground. And it tells us this. What did the servants do When that something, here it's called blade, came up out of the ground. I think I've mentioned this before. I've spent a lot of time with with farmers and I haven't learned anything personally other than watching them do their craft very, very well. Uh, One thing that intrigues me is how somebody who's farmed all of their life can walk out and look at a tiny blade and tell you what that is coming up out of the ground. They don't have to be in their own field. In fact, they can walk out into somebody else's field and they can bend down and you can go, what exactly are you looking at? And they can see something this tall and they can say, well, that's going to be wheat. What did these servants do when they walked out into that owner's field? They looked down at it. They recognized just by the blade, somebody's put weeds out here. So they ran into the master, and they said, oh, "Did didn't you put good seed in the ground?" Um, If if you put good seed in the ground, why are there weeds coming up? A recognition that whatever seed went in the ground brought something forth. But here's something I want you to notice. I want you to notice that all of that seed will be seen by others. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you checked your seed? When was the last time that you tested yourself not only to see that you didn't have the works of the flesh, but when was the last time that you checked your seed? Notice 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. We talk about this a lot because Paul was talking to the church at Corinthians and saying, You know, some of you are so proud of yourselves because you follow Paul. And some of you are so proud of yourselves because you follow Cephas or some other man. Some of you may be proud that you're here listening to Franklin, but here's what Paul said Paul said, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? but ministers by whom you believed even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You know what Paul did regularly? What he did often? He checked his seed. He tested himself. He examined whether or not the fruit that he was showing to others was in fact growing the fruit he desired. Back in Galatians, the fifth chapter, uh, there at the end of the reading, the Bible says, "...and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit." Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. I want you to notice something here that Paul said after he read out these works of the flesh and also the fruits of the Spirit. If we notice what Paul was saying here to you and I and to the church at Galatia, Paul was saying, test yourself. Because the easiest thing you can do is speak the words, I am a Christian. The easiest thing you can do in life is to say, I belong to Christ. But Paul said that speaking those words aren't near as important as walking in the Spirit. So I ask you, when was the last time you checked your seat? Because whether you like it or not, every single one of us are sowers. Every single one of us are putting seed in the ground. I know many might say, well, yeah, it's it's not as important for me as it is for you. See, you see a lot of people every day. You have a lot of interaction every single day. I wonder how many would believe that their fruit or their seed isn't important this morning. Just in case there's uh, someone here, uh, say a young person, uh, one of the kids uh, sitting in the couple of rows uh, back here on my right-hand side, your left-hand side, who haven't made eye contact with me yet, but now they have. I wonder if one of those kids have said, well, my, uh, my seed is just not so important. I, I don't, See, I don't have to deal with a whole lot of people. Uh, I want everybody to look around the room real quick. Uh, specifically, I want everybody on this side to look right back there where the young people are, just to make sure the young people know that the adults are paying attention to what they're doing as well. I will tell you, If you looked around and you saw somebody else sitting here, guess what? This morning, your seed matters to about 80 people right now. So if you sat here thinking, well, my seed doesn't matter, there are those who won't see 80 people in a week. And you've seen them now in about 45 minutes. Your seed matters. Matthew, the fifth chapter, Jesus gave his sermon on the mountain. He said this, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid, neither do men. Light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. How does your light shine? What you notice, Jesus said this, you are the light of the world. Uh, do you see the opt-out provision up there? Everybody know what an opt-out provision is? It's when you get one of those really cool texts that's to somebody else's name. Like mine, I always say Jack right now. Hey, Jack, we need money. Please send it for this cause. Text stop to opt-out. That means you have to actually choose to get out. Do you see the opt-out cl- uh, clause in that? Do you see where it says the exception there? doesn't, does it? It's a little scary. You are the light of the world. Yeah. Jesus didn't say you get to choose. Uh, there are some of you who may be a light. There are some of you who may be a good light. There are some of you uh, who, who can say, well, you know what, Ian and Monty and Nathan, those are the lights of the world. I'm going to let them be the light. I'm going to be something a little different. Uh, while God gave us all differing talents... Jesus said every one of us, no matter what our talent was, whether we choose to use that talent or not, guess what? We are the light of the world. This is what he said. And he said, guess what you got to do? You got to let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know, Jesus said, I am the light and in humility sometimes we like to pass that off to jesus and say well we're going to let him be the light and i'll let him shine through me isn't that cute but jesus didn't say that jesus said you're the light of the world let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven Because every single one of us, whether we like it or not, just like we didn't think about it when we walked in those doors this morning, every single one of us have an influence. Every single one of us have a light to shine. And every single one of us have the choice as to who that light shines for. Because every single one of us are sowers and we will all reap what we sow. Every single one of us will reap what we sow. You see, when the the owner of the field that Jesus talked about there put good seed in the ground, you could call that good seed cotton, and in a good year, that's the choice. This is not a good year for cotton unless you've got irrigation. But uh, whatever the good seed may be, That good seed may be tomatoes. That good seed may be an apple tree. That good seed could be whatever good seed you want to put in the ground. But I'll tell you this. If you put weeds in the ground and you expect to grow cotton, you will be disappointed. If you put wheat seed in the ground and expect to have an apple harvest that year, you will be disappointed. If you put the seeds of the flesh in the ground and expect to reap the fruits of the Spirit, you will be disappointed. If you sow the seeds of hatred and expect to make a harvest of love, You will be disappointed. We will all reap what we sow. There in Galatians, the sixth chapter, beginning in verse seven, Paul writes, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. You know, Paul, writing to the church at Galatia, said, look, there are certain things that are of the flesh, and there are certain things of the Spirit, and we all want that. The flesh says this, I want to call myself a Christian so that I may get the praise of man, but I want to feed this flesh. I want to feed this pride. I want to feed me. But Paul says that there are spiritual seeds. That there are spiritual seeds. That if you sow those seeds, you will reap the fruit thereof. You know what he said here? He said sometimes that may take time. Sometimes that may take time. You know, we've heard from this pulpit a number of times. There are a number of evangelists who say, when is the best pl- time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. The best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Uh, I'm learning that at the house. Uh, we've had some trees in the ground now for just over a year, and I'm going to tell you what, they're still tiny. You know what's hard for a kid to do? Climb in a tiny tree. Because trees aren't just for bearing fruit, but trees are for climbing for kids. And I'm going to tell you, when a tree is just taller than daddy, but still only this big around, it's hard to climb. You know the great thing is, um, when grandkids are here, hopefully those trees will be a little bigger. Hopefully those trees have been taken care of where grandkids and great grandkids can enjoy those trees. And you know what that tells you? Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes you plant those seeds of love and you want that tree to be real big, real quick. Sometimes we get our expectations that if we show love and we show joy and we show peace, then we ought to have a full-grown tree that everybody can climb in and hopefully you could carve some out and you could drive your car through it. Man, that would be fun. But sometimes you got to plant a seed so that years down the road you can reap that harvest. Luke chapter 6 tells us, For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil, for of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. Anybody ever tried to get an orange from an apple tree? It's hard to do. You ever tried to get cotton from a corn stalk? Nope. You know why? It's just not how it works. But have you ever tried to show love with a hate-filled heart? But you want others to believe it's loving anyway. You ever been envious of somebody and tried to praise them with your mouth? You know what that is? That's trying to get an orange from an apple tree. That's trying to pick a pecan from a little jalapeno plant. And oftentimes that's what we want to do, right? We want to hope That we don't have to fix this heart of ours. Because sometimes it hurts to look inward and fix this heart of ours. But we hope that the fruit that comes out anyway will just be good. And Christ said, you'll reap what you sow. Whatever's in that heart. Whatever you've put in there. Whether it's the spirit, whether it's God's word, or whether it's your own pride or your own envy, you will reap what you sow. Does my seed really matter? Does Franklin's seed really matter? Yeah, I told everybody to look around. And uh, every once in a while, I'm going to get these kids' attention make sure they look up at me. Because everybody else is looking up, but sometimes these kids don't look up. Does your seed really matter? Does it matter at all? Does my seed matter at all? I mean, the Bible's clear, right? The Bible's clear that I will face the judgment for my own actions, right? So at the end of the day, does mine really matter? Romans, the 14th chapter, if you want to study another good chapter, another good book, Uh, A little more uh, detailed, a little more in-depth is the book of Romans. But in Romans the 14th chapter, you may recall that Romans the 14th chapter is where Paul is talking there about the weaker brother. And about how we may disagree about whether or not we can eat meats and certain days and all of those things. I want you to notice Romans the 14th chapter in verse 13. This says, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. And you know, when we look at this, we often talk about this as a church matter. Okay? And here's what I mean by that. We look at this as a church matter, meaning, can you wear certain things and still be righteous? Can you eat certain things and still be righteous? And we may get, disagree on those things. We may disagree as to whether or not I have to wear a jacket in order to preach. We may disagree with that. And Sometimes we make those spiritual issues, right? But let me bring this a little closer to home. Paul says this, Rather than judging those meats and those days and whether or not you consider your life more holy than somebody else's life, you make sure you don't put a stumbling block in somebody else's way. What exactly is a stumbling block? I wonder when the last time we determined whether or not the words that we say are a stumbling block for someone else. I wonder or not whether or not we've thought about the last time that we had interaction with somebody, whether or not our attitude, our actions in that inter- interaction were a stumbling block. What's it mean to be a stumbling block? Go back and read Romans. Romans wasn't talking about whether or not uh, me being a stumbling block and my actions and my words being a stumbling block would make you a better person in your day to day life. He was talking about our souls. You know, it's one thing to think about whether or not my words or my actions are going to make you a better public speaker. It's one thing to wonder whether or not the way that I treat you or act toward you is going to make you a better worker. It's another thing to wonder whether or not my words or my actions Or my feelings toward you are going to save or condemn your soul. It's one thing to think about whether or not my words or my actions toward you might affect you for the next 90 years. For you young people. It's another thing to think about whether or not my words or my actions might affect you for eternity. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. You know what Paul said? Paul said, you know, the safety of your soul is up to a decision that you make. That decision to be obedient to God in accepting His Son and putting on Christ in baptism. But You know what Paul said here in Romans 14? You better be real careful about that seed you plant because you will reap What you sow and what you reap matters. What you reap matters because it affects the soul of every other person around you. And notice that Paul said this. Paul said, hey, there's all kinds of things that we need to know. There's all kinds of things that we need to understand. But something you better understand. What you sow, you will reap. And you make sure that what you're reaping edifies another. It's important that we edify ourselves. It's important Uh, That we build ourselves up. It's important that we encourage ourselves in the word. But you know what's more important? That we edify, encourage, build up one another. Notice Matthew chapter 5. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. I would imagine every man, woman, and child within the sound of my voice knows what salt is. Can you imagine uh, taking some salt and putting it on and it's lost its flavor? I know there's one who can imagine but you think about that loss of flavor and you know what you're eating? Dirt. (laughs) I mean, it's just rock, give you a little extra texture, but that's not what you put salt on food for, is it? You know what Jesus said? You are the salt of the earth. You are. And what he was saying was, because you're the salt of the earth, do what you were made for doing. And what you were made for doing was bearing fruit for the Savior, that your Father in heaven might be glorified, that you might be rewarded in his time. If you're not a child of God this morning, we are prepared to assist you in making that decision. If you haven't put on Christ, then the Bible says that your hope in eternity is lost. But we stand prepared to assist you in the decision to put on Christ this morning, being obedient to him in baptism you are a child of God and there's something we can pray with you or for you we'd encourage you to come forward this morning as we stand and sing the song that's been selected